So let's see everybody warm up, get to it. Matthew, Matthew, John X, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Genesis, X, Leviticus, Numbers. There we go. Hello, hello. <laughs> Talking to the silver thing. <laughs> this is James, and this is wine, boom. Then we can go. Yeah. Good. That's what I was. I know you got it. I, just, I think so, yeah. Are we recording right now? Thanks for tuning in to Seeker. Season 1 is the Book of James. We decided to kick off this podcast with the Book of James because no matter what your background or what your experience is with uh, Christianity or the Bible, um, this is a very accessible way to understand what it means to be a Christian. Oh, brought notes. Oh, that—that's—that's that's what we're doing. Oh, okay. <laughs> we've been—we've been freestyling for weeks. I know we have, <laughs> and I—I I was not on point we've last been, time. So we've been just bringing in the electronic, and now you've come with a scroll and. <laughs> Three copies of papyrus. He's got the Dead Sea Scrolls. He's like, I'll show you boys. Man, I mean, if we're going to do this, I'll go home and get my lexicons out if you're going to look at you. (laughs) Let me get that. that, No, uh, I just. Let me get this book up here. I was Ah. thinking about. Oh, this coffee is amazing. (laughs) I told him I got a guy. I've always wanted to have a guy. I've never had a guy for anything. I got a coffee oh, guy. And this coffee's hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's my observation so far. I'll tell you how it tastes after my tongue <laughs> stops blistering. <laughs> you got a guy. Does he live in Hades? But he just <laughs> he no, makes he, some hot coffee. That guy. He lives in Hawaii. I get on the boat to the river sticks. He's a guy. He's got the hookup with like the Kona farmers. The actual, <clears throat> you know. And his warehouse is his store. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing. He shares a Quonset hut with a granite wholesaler. <laughs> so you pull up, and, and it's it's like granite. It's big stacks of stone everywhere. And then in the very back of this sort of open-air, huge-roofed warehouse shed, in the very back is this kind of older... Gentleman, very soft-spoken, very polite, very nice, who's got the best coffee in the universe, and he sells it at a ridiculous price. I want to plug the guy on the website. It's so good. <laughs> Don't edit that. All right, verse 19, kick it. Verse 19, you're going too far back. Well, sorry, what did you say? <laughs> Don't do 19, that's ridiculous. Well, you, you said do 19. No, I didn't I, mean 19. I was up in 15. I'm not ready for 19. Yeah, I was going to say over in verse 1. So... Far down is what she told me. Okay, wait, 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 sorry. Verse 21, kick it. All right, we covered 21 last time, but let's hit it again. We'll lead into, we'll intro, we'll segue. It's going to be a beautiful thing. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For anyone, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Doers of the word. I love it, man. 
this is where the rubber meets the road, right? This is yeah. where it all comes together. Yeah. Well, yeah, at the end of verse 21, where he says, In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And then verse 23, though, right after this says, But prove yourselves doers of the word. So he says, you know, receive the word with humility, but that's not enough. You can't just receive it. You got to, you got to do it. Yeah. And we kind of touched on that in the last podcast where we talked about how the word of truth is what saves us. And James explicitly makes that point here again, right? When he says the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But then he goes on and says, but be doers of that word. And I can't help but think of Again, referring back to the Sermon on the Mount, the very end of it, where Jesus is talking about, if you hear my word and you do it, you're like the one who builds his house on the rock. But if you hear my word and you don't do it, Mm -hmm. you're like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand and the winds come and the rains fall and the storms come and the house falls and great was its fall, he says. So if you hear his word and you don't do it, if you're not a doer of the word, if you're a hearer only, then it's going to fall. Then everything you've got going on is going to come crashing down around you. It sort of stops you in your tracks, doesn't it, when you think about it? Oh, yeah. It does. I think the first verse you read, it's one reason why it tells us not to be deceived, like verse 16. Do not be deceived. He's he's explained all this to us because there there are going to be some people who who were reading this and and who had this perception of who they were um, and after reading this they're going to get a, a different picture of who they really are. So later we're going to talk about the mirror, right? But the he says, do not be deceived. Like some of you um, are operating under a premise that's not even true. Like you you are. You are probably not that solid. You're not that faithful. You're not, you're just not. Like, don't be deceived. Be very real with yourself. I, you're you're going back to the the beatitudes, but I think that's 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 kind of like the thing that the beatitudes do too. There, he starts coming out with things that are quite moving, and you're like, whoa, blessed are they? You kid me? Whoa! And he's like, you you really need to understand what what I'm saying. I know what the, the old law said, but I want you to understand what it really means and I like the do not be deceived because that, that stops me in my tracks and says, whoa, I wasn't deceived. Like, I know exactly what you're saying. But he says, mm, you may not know what I'm saying, but you, you should definitely pay attention. Well, because how often did Jesus warn people when they came to him and they said, Lord, Lord, we've done all these things in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've preached your word to everybody. And what is his response? I never knew you. Depart from me. Exactly. And so don't be deceived. You have to make sure that that implanted word, which saves our souls, is what we're doing. And it's not something else, and it's not for a different reason. And that that warning, do not be deceived. I don't know who you are, Jesus says. It's pretty easy, I think, to deceive ourselves and to thinking, you know, I I attend worship services regularly. I'm a pretty good person. I don't cheat on my taxes. I only cheated on my wife that one time. You know, like one. it's you can you can tell yourself all sorts of things to make you 
into a better person than you really are in your own mind and to make you think that you're doing just enough to skate by, that you're doing just enough to to make the cut. Right. And a lot of it's inadvertent, too. We don't even realize we're deceiving ourselves. Like, we, we have this lens that we develop, you know, for how we see things over our life. And that lens, you know, we think is, you know, our corrected vision. And, you know, we're looking out and we see it that way. But we might be reading and interpreting things, like if when we read the scriptures, for example, and it, we read it only through the lens that we've grown up with. And so we assume that that's the truth. But you have to challenge the things, even your conceptions of what you think are true all the time. And um, and always kind of reanalyze and make sure that you're never too sure of your position on things, because then your mind's closed and you're no longer open to to acknowledging that you might be deceived, like you're saying. That's, so that's a really good point. We we oftentimes lock down on on what we hear and what we know, and we feel like we're super solid, so we just move on. Right? And we were like, we've conquered this piece. But James actually makes the person who thinks that he's conquered take heed. You know, it's like, but not yet. Um, I was, you, so you were, you were talking about Matthew 7. Um, and Jesus saying, depart from me, I never knew you. But then he says, you who work lawlessness, in one version, iniquity, then in verse 22, he's basically saying the same thing. Put away that. Like, put away, yes, I'm going English Standard. Again, getting fancy. Put away all filthiness, rampart wickedness. Like, he's he's saying the same, like, here he's giving the warning. Later in judgment, Jesus is saying, I don't even know you. This is who you are. Right? But you but you were warned, right? The brother of Jesus says, I'm warning you. Like, I already, Jesus, he's already said what he's going to say. Therefore, I'm warning you and receive it with meekness, which is, goes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier is, is, is how penitent we are and how we come to the Lord and how we admit that we have some skeletons. We are not really who we need to be just yet, um, but we have to come to him humbly and then take on that word that gets like embedded in us, deep in us, which saves our souls. Not a small part. Seems important. <laughs> <laughs> that could be something we want to pay attention. Yeah, the saving of the souls. Yeah. Okay. Check. But we we have to remember. You just said this a second ago, Jesse. I think that we're first fruits it reminds me i think it's in ephesians you know he says walk worthy walk worthy to have which you have been called like walk worthy you should be excited about this don't be deceived dude you're you're a first fruit like this is this is a lot to claim like you are being called the son of the living god don't forget that like don't get don't drag your trunk don't get down on yourself you're a first fruit. I'm just merely reminding you, like, as much as James sometimes makes you go, man, I really don't have it together, it's still encouragement because nothing said, like, you don't have it together and thou shalt burn in hell. It's, you don't have it together, but the Lord is here, like, huge hand uplifting you. So what about that mirror? Hmm. <laughs> The mirror. I love the mirror. <laughs> the mirror, mirror on the wall. 
Well, it's the idea of that we have our true self, right? We have our spiritual self. We have our self that is exposed before God, and God knows that true self. And I think what James is saying is that we recognize what that true self is when we hear the word, when we see ourselves reflected in it. Because, you know, the word is sharper than any sword. It's able to divide spirit from body and all that bone from flesh. And when we look into that word honestly and we consider what it is, the picture that the Bible is painting of what we need to be, we can see ourselves in that. I think we're supposed to be able to see ourselves in that, right? That's that's how we aspire to become that person. Mm-hmm. But when you hear it and you don't do it, you don't apply it, you don't take it inside and you make it a part of yourself. When you leave the word behind, when you finish your Bible study, when you finish your prayers, when you finish singing hymns, when you leave worship service, whatever it is, and you haven't done what Jesus told you to. You haven't taken him seriously enough to say, he said it, it applies to me, I need to do it. When you haven't done that and you leave it behind and you go, you get on the bus to go to work or you're at your lunch break or you're watching TV on the weekend or mowing the grass, whatever it is you're doing, you've forgotten. And it's so easy to forget what that guy's supposed to look like with that person that we see reflected of ourselves in the scripture is supposed to be like. So when we hear it and we're not doing it, we it's so easy for us to forget that we are spiritual beings. We're not skin and bone. We're souls. We're eternal spirits created by God in his image to do a specific job. That's why I love the mirror so much, is because we can see that. We can see ourselves in it as to who we really need to be. And who we can see ourselves as God sees us. You know, with all our flaws and imperfections, with all of our faults and our fears and our doubts and our worries. But we see ourselves in his eyes when we see ourselves through his word. Well, it's interesting, too, because when you think about how much time you would spend looking at yourself in the mirror in a given day, it's not much time, you know, right? Obviously, most of your day, you're not in front of a mirror. You know, how much time are you spending being a hearer of the Word, you know, either in Scripture or listening to sermons or, or whatnot? You know, when it comes up to your full day, it's not much of your day or your week or your month on average. What really matters is not the time that you spend hearing the Word, what really matters is the time that you spend actually living a life that reflects that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a verse in Hebrews that I never really paid much attention to until I was studying for this discussion that we're having. And it's in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, where the Hebrew writer says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So this is also hearing the word, but not doing anything with it, 
in the Hebrew sense because they lacked the faith to do so. So how much of doing the word is tied up in the, the you know, where our faith is at that time? I think that's a big question that I need to ask myself a lot more than I do. Mm-hmm. Because doing the word, there's that huge faith component to it, right? Right. That we kind of don't talk about a whole lot in my experience. When it's like, how's your prayer life? How's your, you know, what? how'd that study that you had go? How did your, you know, I heard you were doing this service. I heard you did this act. You know, you're helping out in this capacity. Do we phrase it in terms of faith? Do we get that sort of basic with it, I guess, is the question? Do we get that fundamental? Because in Hebrews, it seems like the prophet comes from the word mixed with faith. Mm-hmm. Right? So that prophet right. doing the word, having the word impact us in that positive spiritual way, there's that faith component as well. That honestly never really crossed my mind much hmm. that's interesting uh, are, are, are you thinking then that that a lot of things that we do outside of the realm of faith we do sometimes just self-seeking because of pride or is that where you were going with that or are you saying that well, we, because just, there's no faith behind it we really don't do it I think that's more okay. of it is that it? I think it really boils down to a question of faith, which isn't to say that you, you know we lack. Well, I guess maybe we do lack faith sometimes when we can read the commandments of God. We can read Jesus' instruction in His teaching. We can read what Paul had to say about you know how to live in the post-cross world. with the dispensation of grace, how to live in that world, and we don't do it. It's a faith question, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it boils down to. Do we really put our trust and our confidence in the words that we're reading and the instructions that we're given? You know, because, like, some of this stuff seems kind of weird, right? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who spite you. And pray for those who use you. Well, that doesn't make a lick of sense outside of faith if you don't have faith that you're being told to do that for a good reason right right because what's the good reason to do that outside of faith and trust in what jesus had to say so if we don't do that if we snarl at people in line at the grocery store if we snap at people who upset us if we scowl and have this angry demeanor toward people all the time if somebody hurts us, if our immediate response isn't to go right back and hurt them back, where's our faith? You know, wouldn't we have done what Jesus said if we had faith to trust him and to believe what he had to say? That's something I struggle with a lot. Yeah. yeah because it, it actually says that it's someone who looks intently at his face. It's not a glance, like... You spend time meditating, thinking on this thing. And, you know, we're just using the mirror. But, I mean, as you said earlier, earlier, it can apply to so many things. If you want to use worship service, if you want to use study, whatever. But it's 
what does it profit you? What does it profit the Lord? What does it profit the kingdom if you spend all this time studying, doing whatever? But then when it's time to put it in action, you, you just freeze. You can't. And, and I think there's, I think we should identify the fact that even with all the study and there's, there's a, there's a large component of prayer, belief, faith, obviously, because in contrast, the one who actually puts it into, to, to action, it says that he perseveres, right? So even when it happens, it says, uh, verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It still requires something more than just, you know, I read, I have to love my enemies. You're just going to walk outside. It's going to be easy. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I think that's where the faith kicks in. Like That's why it takes faith to do. It's going to be difficult to overcome and do. But it's possible. We're first fruits. First fruits. I'm glad you said that because I actually have a response. And I love it because you were thinking exactly what I was thinking. About the first fruits? Because I just grabbed a pear off a tree. No, no, no. About how um, everything you just said about how we have to continue in it. And then you're blessed in what you do because you had the faith to do it. And I was, I was thinking about John chapter 13 at the Last Supper where Jesus washes the apostles' feet. And Peter's first reply is, you're never going to wash my feet. No, what this is wrong. This is crazy. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. And so what's Peter's response? Peter does what Peter always does. He goes like, can all, all in. All yes. in. Yes, all in. <laughs> do my hands, do my head too. Let's get it on, right? <laughs> and it it doesn't say that Jesus started banging his head against the table, but <laughs> if you read between the lines. <laughs> but the way that that chapter, and that section of John chapter 13 ends. In verse 12, when Jesus asked the apostles after he finishes, do you know what I have done? He's like, do you see the bigger picture here? Do you understand the lesson? He says, you call me in teacher and Lord, which is right that you do so. You understand that you can learn from me. You, you, you get all this stuff intellectually. You call me this, you know how that goes. But he tells him that you have to live like you mean it when you call him teacher and Lord. He says in verse 17, if you know these things, if you do these things that I'm telling you to do, if you live your life following my example, what does he say? Blessed are you if you do them. Thanks for listening to Seeker. Find us at SeekerPodcast.com. Check out our website to see our blog. Thank you, Suzanne, for writing us some awesome articles there. Thanks. Bye.